Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And uh, we are so excited to be starting a brand new series this, this week. And uh, it's kind of going to be a short one. Um, at least that's the plan. Uh, you guys know me. Uh, I might plan for a three-week series and end up on 28 weeks. And so we just never know. It's an adventure. You just never know what you're going to get uh, when we start a new series. But we are starting a brand new series that I've been looking forward to. Uh, it is entitled Relationships, Mothers, Brothers, and Others. Now, let me just kind of put a little bit of a warning out here, caution. We're not going to only talk about mothers and brothers and others. Okay? We're not going to identify anyone's mom. Okay, we're not looking to tag anyone's in-laws. Okay, that's not what we're looking to do this morning. Um, we just want to talk about relationships in general. Uh, we talk a lot about the marriage relationship and the family unit, uh, which is so vital uh, in our world today, in our culture, to stand out in our family as a follower of Christ. But what we want to talk about the next few weeks is relationships in general, just the idea of relationships. And so this morning we're going to talk about being designed for relationship. Next week, we're going to get into talking about repairing relationships, repairing relationships. And so I want to talk about that as well. And so, but this morning, as we jump into this series, I want to start with a text uh, from the Word of God that's going to kind of be our overarching theme for the series. It's going to kind of, uh, kind of give us an idea of where we're going for the whole series that we're looking at. And so it's found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, Romans chapter 12 in verse 18. Again, I thank you for bringing your Bibles this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, maybe you don't have anything on your device that you've already downloaded, uh, you can go to our app and you can download the Bible app from there. You can also go to the Welcome Center following the service today. And uh, we would love to give you a copy of the Word of God for yourself to have with you. Uh, and again, it's not something we want to do to point you out. You don't have to fill anything out. We just want to give you a copy of the Word of God so that you can see for yourself what God's Word says. All right, and so Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. This is kind of a short verse, a simple verse, but one that's going to kind of give us a mind frame for the coming three weeks. And so it says this, If it be possible, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, let's just be honest for a moment. That's a tough one, Right? It's a tough one to live peaceably with all men, if possible. So what's a question we have to ask ourselves? First of all, is it possible? We have to ask that question before we even dive into understanding if I, what it should look like or how it's going to play out. Can, is it even possible to live peaceably with all men? And if it is possible, then what does that look like? How does that play out in my life? How do I interact with other human beings in a positive way? Having healthy relationships with other people is, I think, all of our desire. But if you know other people, that's really difficult. Right? I mean, what's the problem with relationships, really? The problem with relationships is other people, right? I mean, if you didn't have to deal with other people, relationships would be easy. If, all, if you don't have to deal with your neighbor, right, that has that dog that just kind of gets loose and decides to deposit on your front lawn, okay, if you didn't have that neighbor, man, it'd be really easy to have a relationship. But man, you got to deal with that neighbor and you got to go over in conflict and all that stuff. And there's things at work, right? I mean, I'm sure nobody has ever had a conflict at their job, right? Everyone's manager that you've ever had has been ideal, right? Never demanded more than was realistic, right? Never came down on you for something that wasn't your fault. None of this has ever happened, right? You guys you don't understand what I'm talking about. It's just foreign to you. All of us have had the perfect neighbors, right, that return everything they borrow in a timely manner, okay? Uh, there's somebody in our church right now that I think they still may have someone's stuff, and it's been like 15 years. I'm not going to call him out, but I'll have to talk to Keith after and see if he ever did return that to, to Ray. I don't know if he did. I'm just saying. Did I call him? I, that's not call, is that calling him out? I think it is kind of calling him out. My bad. Uh, no, we have these relationships in our lives, and I think we desire healthy relationships, Right? See, the goal of a relationship is not to be perfect. Perfection in that relationship is not the goal. It's healthiness. It's, it's having a healthy connection with another human being. But again, that can be really, really difficult. And it's sometimes our fault, right? It's sometimes their fault, okay? It's sometimes, and to be honest, oftentimes, 
a little bit of both are false. Because here's the thing that I've learned about relationships. No matter what the conflict is, odds are you can own up to some of the problem that you've done. And sometimes it's not even the starting of it. It's not what you did in the beginning. It's what? It's how you responded to the situation or to the person. I mean, did you ever have somebody come to you and just jump all over you for something or get mad at you for something? And it's not so much you didn't even do it, but you get angry, defensive, and so you lash back at them. Well, guess what? Now you're part of the problem. Now you're part of the conflict. See, I truly believe that most relationships, if not all of them, both parties can own some of the responsibility for the problem. So what do we do? I mean, I think we all want healthy relationships. Not just with our husband or wife, but with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family. But let's be honest, sometimes it doesn't seem very what? Very possible. Maybe you've tried this. You've tried to have healthy relationships with those around you. You've tried to repair and restore and and rebuild, and it just doesn't seem to be coming back your way. So what do you do? How do you move forward? How do you have these healthy and happy relationships? Again, the fundamental problem with maintaining those type of relationships are other people's choices, actions, opinions, and views. Let me say this as well, kind of in the onset. Having healthy relationships doesn't mean you agree all the time. You can have a healthy relationship with someone, family member, friend, coworker, neighbor, and completely disagree with a very big part of your or their life. For example, you may have a neighbor that doesn't know Christ. And so when you interact with them and you have conversations with them, things come up in the conversation that they greatly disagree with your view on life, the world, creation, whatever. It doesn't mean you sever the relationship. You can have a healthy relationship, but you have to learn, how do I handle these things in our relationship? And here's the key. I truly believe this. Respect the other person as much as you want to be respected in your opinion and views. Don't have to agree with them. I'm not saying we agree with them or we compromise our views. But I think so many of our conflicts and so much of our problems would be solved if we just respected other people as human beings. And stop treating people like they're just second-class citizens because they don't agree with you. I've had people tell me that before. Man, it would be a lot easier if everybody thought like me. That's a scary thought. (laughs) I am so thankful, first and foremost, that Sandra thinks nothing like me. Okay? It's scaring me, though, the longer we're married, the more we're finishing each other's sentences. And I really, really pray it's her rubbing off on me, not me rubbing off on her, because that's terrifying. You don't want that. For our children's sanity, you don't want two two individuals in their home like me. That's just not healthy. That's the farthest thing from healthy. But when we deal with other people, there's conflict. There's, There's all these issues that come into play. And so what is the Word of God talking about when it says, if it be possible... As much as lie in you, live peaceably with all men. What in the world does that look like? So I want to do this. I want to pray. And I want to get into this a little bit more. We're going to talk about the background of our design, how we were created. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Talk about the most fundamental relationship, the most important relationship we could have in order so that we have healthy relationships in our world. And so I'm going to pray. But here's what I want you to do. Talking about relationships in church can be kind of funny because some of you have relationships that are there's some conflict. Family member, friend, neighbor, whatever. Maybe there's a parent and a relationship you have with a parent that there's been. And see, here's the thing. A lot of times people will say, well, I've forgiven them. I forgave them years ago. But every time they bring up that person, there's this like this bitterness that comes out. And you have to, when you have that bitterness, that's what you got to do. You got to forgive them again. And we're going to talk about that next week. But here's the thing. Maybe you're here and you have that going on right now. And you're in this kind of a, a back and forth of just, I want to forgive, but there's bitterness. I'm angry with them. Maybe you have anger towards another person. Maybe there's something going on in that relationship. Maybe you're, you're, you feel offended or you feel like you were hurt by someone, which is true. If they hurt you, they hurt you. And it's okay to admit they hurt you. You don't deny that. You don't pretend it didn't happen. But there's a way to give that to God so that you can still live this life in peace and comfort without allowing that past hurt to hold you back and to hinder your walk in your life. 
And so here's what I want to do. We're going to pray. And I want you to just take a moment right there in your seats. And if that's you, if you have any kind of a thing in a relationship, conflict, uh, potential conflict, misunderstanding, you have to have a conversation with somebody, you don't know how to have it because you want to see the conflict resolved, but you don't know what to say and how to do it, then here's what I want to do. I want you to pray right there and say, God, whatever you need to show me, I pray that you'll show me, and I pray that I would respond with a faithful and loving heart. God, whatever I need to do in this relationship, I pray that you would show me wisdom. What does the Bible say? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. He gives to all men liberally and abradeth not. He wants to just give you the wisdom you need for this relationship. So whatever's going on, family member, friend, recent, long time ago, I don't even know what you're dealing with in relationships, but God does. And so here's what I want you to do. Just pray and say, God, would you give me wisdom in this? Would you give me guidance in this? And then allow me to respond to you in a faithful and loving way. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Father, as we, as we come this morning, as we tackle these issues of relationship, Father, as we talk about this idea of living peaceably with all men, if it's possible, I pray that you would give us wisdom. Father, there are those in this room right now that there's division in a relationship somewhere. Maybe between a family member and them, something that happened recently or years ago. Father, maybe there's something going on in a relationship here between uh, two individuals that work together. Maybe the person, the other party isn't even in this building, but, but the person in this room is going to think on this and going to weigh these matters out and think about, well, what am I going to do when I get to work tomorrow? How am I going to handle that situation? How am I going to deal with that situation in that life or in their life? And Father, I don't declare to have all the answers to all these questions. We are not going to spend three weeks giving an exhaustive list of every possible situation and every way to handle every situation because that's your job. You lead us and guide us and direct us. And it's in those moments that when we need you the greatest that you show up the most and you just give us the words to say. But I pray that, that we would hear from you this morning, that our hearts and our minds would be open to you so that we can be prepared and primed and ready so that when we enter this week and we have those conversations or we have that conflict that we don't even know is coming, but you do, I pray that we'd be ready for it. We'd have a word to give and so, Father, may you lead, guide, and direct in these things that we would keep our eyes on you, focused on you. You are the author and finisher of our faith. You are the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. We do none of this in our own strength. We do it only through the strength of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. So, Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy, your love, and your salvation. Father, I pray again that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray they'd come to know you before it's everlasting too late. We thank you for this, this time. We thank you for your word and the truth therein. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to encourage you that as we talk about the relationships, we have to understand first and foremost that we were designed for relationships. We were designed and created for relationships. God created humanity with a purpose to interact with other human beings, and also to interact with him. You see, God designed us for relationship first and foremost with him. This is the foundation. God designed us for relationship with him. He formed us for relationship. Genesis 1, 26 and 28. Listen to what God's word says in the book of Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them. God formed us. Do you realize as you read that verse, by the way, this is not metaphor. This is not allegory. This is not Moses is too naive or too unlearned to understand the complexities of evolution and all that goes with it, that he had to summarize it and simplify it and kind of dumb it down for, for Moses to write these words in the book of Genesis. No, no, no. This is God's design. God spoke everything into creation except you and I. He says he formed us. With his hands. He said he made us in his image. Do you know, and we said this before, nothing else in creation bears the mark of the creator like you and I. We were made in the very image of God. 
with emotions and will and intellect. See, it doesn't mean that we look like God, right? Because that can get kind of tricky. Just look around the room for a second. All y'all look different, okay? So which one of us looks like God? Which one of us has the same physical look of God? Well, God is a spirit. So he's not saying physically you look like me. He's saying your makeup, how you think, how you feel, how you can purpose and choose and will, those are the things that make us like him, intellect, will, and emotion. These are the things that God says when he created us, he created us in his image, like him. Now, why would he create us like him? Why would he create us with will and intellect and emotion? He created us to have a relationship with him. So many people say, well, no, God created us to worship him. I believe that's true, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. He did create us to worship him, but he already had a countless number of angels to worship him. So God wasn't lacking in worship when he created you. God wasn't going, man, I just, I'm not getting worshiped enough. I need just a little bit more to worship me. That's why I made humanity. Now, I believe that God created us for relationship, and it's through that relationship that we worship him, and it glorifies his name. Man, you are made in the image of God, and he made you and created you for relationship with him. But not just with him, also with each other. He said in Genesis 2, 18, that it's not good for a man to be alone. We see that God came in the garden in Genesis 3, verse 8, following the fall. And he called out Adam, and he came to them, and he walked among them. And the reason I want to point that out is, my opinion is that before the fall, he walked in the garden just like he did after the fall. I don't believe it was uncommon for God to go walk in the garden with Adam and Eve and to have conversation with them, because it sure seems like that was the normal thing that happened. So much so that when God shows up, Adam and Eve hide, not because God showed up, but because of their sin. They knew God would show up, which tells me he was already showing up. He was already having a relationship with them. I truly believe that when mankind fell in the Garden of Eden, it broke the Father's hearts. Not so much because we sinned, but more because we severed the relationship. Listen to what one author said in regards to this idea that God designed us to have a relationship with him. One author said it well. In Eden... We see God's ideal relationship with us. Adam and Eve enjoyed intimate friendship with God. There were no rituals, ceremonies, or religion. Just a simple, loving relationship between God and the people he created. Unhindered by guilt or fear, Adam and Eve delighted in God, and he delighted in them. I mean, could you imagine like, I don't know if you do this, but I think back, like, how awesome would it be? How amazing, how awestruck would it be to just be walking through your day and God just show up and walk with you in the physical? Can you even imagine? For God Almighty to say and sit down with you at a coffee or sit down with you at lunch and say, how are you doing today? Man, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. Hebrews tells us he prays for us. The son prays for us. The father, he's praying for us. So I just wonder, how are you doing? Is there anything that I can do to help you? Man, this loving, intimate relationship is our design. But we didn't stay that way. Sin entered in. We broke his laws. We violated his commands. We turned our backs on him. And he says, because of that, now there has to be a mediator between God and man. Now there has to be something between us so that we can still have relationship. Do you realize God would have been perfectly within his right to come into the garden that day, look at Adam and Eve and just go, Z -z -z done. Starting over. Done. He could have done that. We violated his laws. But instead he said, no, no, no. Here, take this animal. Cut it this way. Sacrifice it this way. Use the meat for this. Use the skins for that. Cover yourselves. Here, I want relationships. So whatever it takes. And that's the beauty of grace. Grace says when I don't deserve to know him, he offers knowledge of him to myself. He says, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. We were designed to relationship, have a relationship with God Almighty. God desires also our worship and our servants, service in obedience. 
I don't want to make it sound like God's just my, you know, my buddy and I don't have to do what he says. We just hang out on the weekends kind of a thing. No, God desires worship and service and obedience from his creation. But isn't it amazing? All through this book, all of those things are carried, kind of carried into our lives and out of our lives by relationship. I obey because I know him as my heavenly father. I serve him because I love him as my heavenly father. I want to worship him because I just love him so much because he's loved me in this beautiful relationship. Do you see how everything is carried through relationship with him? If you come to church just to check the religious box and just to do the religious thing, man, you're missing the most vital part of Christianity, the relationship. And it's not just the belief system. It's not just a set of rules. It's not just the thing we do. It's knowing him personally. It's the only thing that separates us from every other religion, every other belief system, is a practical knowledge of God. As the New Testament says, that I know him and he knows me. Man, is there anything cooler than knowing that God knows you? I don't, does that, I mean, that just blows me away. That God Almighty knows me. Does anybody know anybody famous? Like, you know somebody that we would call famous? Anybody know anybody famous? Basketball player, baseball player, musician. Okay, Alan's raising his hand. Alan, who do you know? Okay, and who's, for those that don't know, who is that? Okay, yes. Okay, yeah, I, I was hoping he'd get there sooner, okay, get to that point sooner. So um, I think Keith knows what I'm getting at when I say sooner. Because um, sooner you get to that, the better, right? You know <laughs> Does anyone else get the joke? Okay, anyway, I got the cutoff from, <clears throat> okay. So the men's basketball coach at Ohio State University, uh, these guys know, the Corbett's know, okay? That's pretty cool. Does anyone else know anybody famous? Okay, no, not really. All right, if you knew someone famous, say like Michael Jordan, okay, someone that was like, I mean, world known, okay? Some of you have been to Christian concerts and you've met Christian artists and you get to talk to them for a few minutes, Okay. Or you interact with them in some way and you're like, oh man, it was so cool, I got to meet them. But if I said, do you know them? You would say, well, I don't really know them, right? I mean, maybe you would because you want to impress. But you'd be like, I don't know them per se, I just know of them, I met them. But it'd be pretty cool. I mean, it would be kind of like bragging material if you were like, hey, me and, uh, me and Michael Jordan played golf this weekend. Like, that's just cool. Like, I would be like, that's awesome. Like, that's so fun. You are known by God Almighty. So much so that when you bow your head in prayer, raise your hands in prayer, eyes wide open, whatever and however you're deciding to communicate with him, and you say, Oh God, he listens to you. Like that's the crazy, he listens to you because you know him as your Savior. And I don't, he doesn't hush everything else because he's God and he's sovereign. He can somehow listen to billions of prayers at once and hear each one individually. And address each one individually. But I almost imagine God just kind of saying, shh, 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 quiet down, quiet down. Bill's praying. He needs something today. I want to hear what my son needs. Could you imagine that? God just leaning just ever so slightly forward on his throne and just listening. Man, what what do they need today? How can I bless them today? How can I show them my love today? And you were designed to know him. We were formed for relationship with God. Also, crazy thought. Secondly, with this relationship with God, we're formed to have a relationship with Him. He is jealous for you, the Bible says. He is jealous for you. Exodus 34, 14 says this. The New Living Translation. I love the way it translates this, this verse. You must worship no other gods. So that's a command. That's, that's a command that's an obedience thing. Don't worship any other gods. By the way, can I just interject here? That's very multifaceted. Your career could be another god. Your family could be another god. Your children can be another god. Your stuff can be another god. Your money can be another god. Your hobby can be another god. Don't worship any other gods. You know what worship means? To give worth and value to something that's equal to God's worth and value. Think about that for a moment. Man, I met so many, I know people, I struggle with this. 
Then we just give our stuff away. We give our worship to everything. And people say, no, 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 I don't do that. No, 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 I love God. I do this and this and this for God and so this. Man, where are you investing your time? Where are you investing your energies? Is it in your walk with him? Is it in your time with him? Is it in worshiping him? I'm not talking about just coming to church. This is worshiping. This is gathering together as the body of Christ to exalt our amazing and merciful Savior. But it's not just this. Man, it's are you worshiping him through the week, through the days, in your thoughts, in your conversations. By the way, with other people, are you encouraging them in the things of Christ? And we give worth and value to God when we live our days for him and not self. P.S. Anybody can show up an hour a week to this building. Anybody can do that. But man, when you commit to say, God, every moment of every day, not because I'm perfect, but because you're gracious, may I worship you today. And do we enter our days with that mindset, thinking, I want to worship him today. He says, you must worship no other gods. But listen to the rest of the verse. For the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Why does God not want us worshiping any other gods? Because he says, man, I'm jealous for you because I just want to be with you. I know what's best for you. Man, I've got these plans for you. I've got this purpose for you. And you're getting all wrapped up in this other junk and it's not good for you. Man, just allow the relationship you have with me to be your focus, to be your main thing, the main theme in your life. Let it be that relationship because, man, I'm jealous for you. Man, that's the Holy Spirit of God crying out to you saying, I'm jealous for you. I want your time. I want your time. I don't know about you, but again, the fact that God Almighty is jealous or desiring of my time, that is crazy. He said, I just want to spend time with you. God strongly desires to have a relationship with you. However, as we've mentioned, sin has divided or broke that relationship. We abandoned him. We broke his laws. And we are not jealous for him as he is for us. We are jealous of our own stuff, self, what we want. That's what we hunger for. That's what we desire. We have all experienced jealousy in a negative way. But with God, he is the only one. Let me say this again. He is the only one that is rightly deserving of our everything. He's the only one that deserves to be jealous of you because he's the only one that's worthy of all of you. And when we don't give him all of us, he's the only one that has the right to say, I'm jealous of that. See, other people in your life, other relationships, and they're not going to have all of you. It's not reality. Friends tell friends, I'll always be there for you. And I think it's said with great intention and great desire to really do that. But man, let's be honest. We can't always be there for each other. That friend isn't always going to be ready for a phone call. They're not always going to answer your text when you need them to. They're not always going to be able to just drop everything and come running. We have this mindset of friendship that that's what friendship is. Somebody that will drop anything and come running. Man, that's not reality because you can't do that for someone else. Why expect someone else to do that for you? That's just life. And listen, husbands and wives, if you're here today, stop expecting your spouse to be your everything. When you expect your spouse to be your everything, you're setting them up for failure. Because they can't. Just like you can't be theirs. Man, we can be there for them as much as we can. We can love them as deeply as we can. We can try to be there for friends and family members and try to be available as much as we can. But there's only one who will never, ever, ever not be there for you when you need him. And that's our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't that amazing to think? God of all creation is ready and willing and able at the moment of need, Hebrews says this, to give me the grace that is needed, the help that is needed when I call out to him. That when I come before his throne of grace, he is ready with this abundant grace that is more than sufficient. And he pours it into our lives. And we have the peace of the Holy Spirit. John talks about that. John chapter, I believe it's 14, verse 27. says, this peace that I give unto you. And, and then you just know, God, I, I, I thank you for that. Man, the stress doesn't go away necessarily. The circumstance doesn't change necessarily. But you know, man, God is with you. And he's jealous for you. He wants to be there for you. 
But sin came and broke that relationship. But here's the truth. Sin didn't change God's view of you as far as the jealousy. God is just as jealous and desiring of a relationship with you in your sin as he was before you sinned, before you were created. Doesn't mean he condones our sin. What I mean is, we think, man, that person is a sinner unset for their, for their way of hell. They don't know Christ as their Savior. God's not jealous for them. No, he's very jealous for them. He says, I wish that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. See, God is not, he doesn't change because we're in sin. His heart is breaking when we're in sin, and he wants us to come to know him as, a, as, as our Savior so that the relationship can be restored. So he's jealous for you. He formed you for relationship with him, and he also restored the friendship that we needed. Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. I love how one translation, translation translated this. Romans 5.10 says this, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of the son. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of the son. I love that we can now, through Jesus Christ and confession of our sin, belief in the name of the Son of God, receiving the gift of salvation, surrendering to him and saying, my life is yours. Through those very acts of faith, we have our friendship with God. We were once enemies with God, distant from him, separated from his will. And by his grace, he offers us salvation. We receive it by grace and through faith, and we begin to follow him. And the Bible says, you are now his Friend, he has restored us, forgiven all of our sin by the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But let me be honest here. Some of us have a hard time believing that God is actually our friend. We have no problem believing that he's our savior. We have no problem believing that he's mighty and powerful and just and holy and all of those amazing attributes. But when we say the friend of God, we kind of don't really get that. I struggle with that. I think because we feel like if I say he's my friend, I'm somehow lowering him down from where he needs to be. But I believe the greatest truth for the Christian life is that he is our Savior. He is our God. He is our mediator. But he's also our friend. Man, God doesn't want you to have fear when you come to him in need or to come to him for advice. He wants him to be like a friend to you, where you just pick up the proverbial phone through prayer and say, man, I just need to talk to somebody. And he wants to be there as a loving and kind friend. He wants to be there for you in your deepest need. The idea of God desiring to be our friend is all through the Bible, going all the way back to Abraham in Genesis when he was called the friend of God. Jesus said in John chapter 15, greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Then he goes on to say that he calls us not servants, but friends. I am personally so thankful that Jesus isn't just my savior, he's my friend. He's, he's, he's there for me. See, a friend is there for you as much as possible when you need them. Your friend isn't just available once a week on Sunday morning at 10.30. That's not, a friend is there more often. A friend checks in on you. A friend asks how you're doing. A friend invites you into their life. And all of those things Jesus has offered to us, just a relationship. To spend time with him. When we are friends with God, we will then and only then understand how to have relationships with other people. And we get it so backwards. We try to fix all these relationships and not paying any attention to this one. I've had people tell me in the Christian faith, you know, I, I want to go to church, but I'm just having some issues at home, so we're just going to take a break from church for a while until we get this stuff straightened out. And it's the scariest place to be. It's the most dangerous place to be because if that's you and you've thought that or contemplated that, I'm so thankful that you didn't do it because you're sitting here today. And listen, it's not a break from church. 
and in fact run deeper into your relationship with Jesus Christ, and you'll see those other relationships begin to change. Not the people, but you'll begin to change. And you'll see those relationships begin to be healed, restored, maybe wisdom that some of them do need to be severed. And when we understand what it is to be a friend of God through Jesus Christ, then we'll understand that God created humanity with a design for relationship with others. With others. Before we close, I want to walk through this just real quick, and we'll get more into the others next week in the idea of repairing relationships, talking a lot about forgiveness. What does that look like? Who is worthy of our forgiveness? Who deserves our forgiveness? Is there anywhere in the Bible that we don't have to forgive someone for certain things? Is it ever okay to not continue in a relationship with someone, friend or family member? Is it okay to say, you know what, we need to kind of distance here? Or do we need to bring them all together? We're going to break that down next week. But just a quick overview of this idea of created for relationship with others. The first thing we have to acknowledge, as we've already said, is relationships with others are hard. It's hard. It's okay to admit that. Let's be honest. Relationships with others take work and efforts and thought. We have to put work into our relationships. Imperfect people will cause stress and frustration in your life. Imperfect people, which is who you're dealing with, (laughs) that's your pool that you're kind of swimming in. (laughs) And there's no one perfect in that pool. It's all imperfect people starting with you. And all these imperfect people, when you have a relationship with them, guess what? There's a chance they might hurt you. There's a chance they might do something in anger against you. There's a chance you're going to get burned and offended Because they're imperfect. They make mistakes. They're sin. They're not okay, but it happens. So it's hard. It's difficult to deal with people in our lives. Whenever we decide to enter a relationship with someone else, whether it's a family member, friend, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whatever, it always involves risk. Every relationship in your life involves a level of risk. And here's the risk. I am going to be your friend. I'm going to open myself up to you, but I'm making it available that you can hurt me because I'm opening myself up to you. Whenever you decide to love someone, the minute you've made that conscious choice and the the choice of the will to love someone else, you are opening yourself up and you're making yourself vulnerable and there's a chance they're going to hurt you. And the chance is pretty good. Not because they want to, not because they desire to, Not even because they intended to, which is kind of silly. You ever have somebody hurt you in a relationship and then they say, I didn't mean to fill in the blank? But in the moment of that choice, they totally meant to make that decision. But it's because, man, our hearts are not really that way. We don't really want to hurt this person. But we make choices and decisions that affect other people. And imperfect people will cause stress and frustration and anger and all these emotions in us because of the choices they make. And it takes work to maintain these kind of relationships that we have in our life. The tough choice that we have to all make is will you take the risk? Will you risk being hurt to have relationships? Or will you you do what some have done, which is, I'm putting up walls. I don't want anybody in my life because I don't want to be hurt anymore. So I want nothing to do with anybody. And I'm going to isolate myself off. People have this mindset that they think they don't need anyone. That they are going to just make it on their own. I don't need you. I'll be fine. I'll just get through on my own. That is the biggest lie from the pit that I've ever heard. Why is it that Jesus calls us a body? And that each member is needed of another member because we need each other. You cannot get through this life alone. You can't. You weren't designed that way. You weren't created that way. I totally understand that if you've been hurt, you want to do this and put up the wall. You don't want to deal with other people. But I'm telling you, the more you isolate, the more dangerous it becomes for greater hurts. Because, man, you're just cutting off all support. It's a scary place to be. I get it. I get why people do it. But it's dangerous. 
And you think it's going to be easier, but it's not. It's harder. Can I encourage you with something this morning? I truly believe this. As someone that's had relationships with people, I've been a pastor now for just a few years. I've been in ministry since 2005. I've gone through a church split, a mini church split. I've had people that were the bestest of friends, and I don't even talk to them anymore. Man, I've had people that you elevate the spiritual leaders, and then they just burn you. We've gone through the gambit. And I'm excited because we've only been married for 12 years. We've only been in ministry for, well, 12 years. So I can't imagine what the next 10 years holds. Woohoo! Can't wait. But here's what I'm saying that. I started believing that lie for a little bit. That it's better to just sever all this off and just be back here and be surface and be shallow. And hey, oh yeah, it's great to see you, brother. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then never really go deeper. And I've been there. I've wanted to do that. I've done that. And you think it's going to be easier, but man, it leaves you in a very cold place where you're just alone and isolated because you believe the lie. I'm so thankful that I never got there. I never got that far into it. I had people in my life that said, no, 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 we need to keep these relationships. We need to maintain these connections. People that spoke into my life during those years and encouraged me and prayed for me and supported us. And it was just amazing because I realized, man, I can't get through this without these people. I need these other people to interact with me and me with them and to have their support and encouragement. It's vital. I've shared it before. I have a folder in my office, in my desk, a manila folder with all the encouragements I've received over the years. Little cards, little things, whatever, just different things. And it's amazing because often during the course of a year, I'll pull that folder out and I'll start thumbing through there. And man, it's just so encouraging. And it's not that they're like, oh, you're the best, blah, 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 or you do this really well. I don't need that. Man, the best is when it says, hey, I just want you to know, man, I appreciate you and I'm praying for you. Man, if you isolate off, if you build these walls, you're not allowing people to encourage you, to strengthen you. And it makes you feel distant and disconnected. And next thing you know, the enemy shows up and starts whispering those lies in your ears. And next thing you know, now you're drifting in your walk with Christ. And you're, you're not connected to him like you once were. Man, it's opening you up for so much more dangerous situations in your life. Man, we need to remember that even though it's hard... It is 100% worth it. The risk you take is worth it. It is worth it. I'm saying that as someone that can connect with some of you who have been hurt, burned, whatever. I can say that as somebody that's made mistakes in relationships and hurts other people. And it's worth it. It's hard. And it takes work. And it takes effort. But it's always worth it. We are not an island. We need each other to endure the seasons of life. There is no greater blessing than having someone to lean on for strength and support. Listen to the word of God as it speaks, finally, as we get ready to close, to this very issue in Ecclesiastes 4, 10, and 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 10, and 12. It says this, speaking about friendship and connection with other people and the need for other people in our life. It says this, If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And the Bible is clear on this. We need to remember that it's worth it. Here's what I want you to do. Just everybody... If you're taking notes, that's cool or whatever. Just take a break for a second. Just, I want you to do something before we pray and close. I want you to think of a time in your life that you needed someone. I mean, it was, how do you want to say this nicely? My mom always had a saying, and I have to kind of edit her sayings because most of my life she wasn't really a Christian that followed Christ. And so she would say these things, and there's great wisdom in there, but you can't really repeat them in church. Um, <laughs> when the stuff's really hitting the fan... Okay? And it's just getting thrown everywhere in your life. Let's be real. This is church. We've got to be honest. Okay? We're not going surface and shallow. Okay? When it's really, I mean, the stuff is everywhere. It's just like you can't turn around without running into something that's connected to this issue in your life. And you needed someone. And someone was there. 
and someone was there on the other end of the phone, or somebody came over and had coffee with you, or somebody prayed with you, or somebody just encouraged you, or somebody just put their arm around you. I want everyone to do this. I want everyone to think of a time like that. Real quick. Everyone do this. Think of a time that you needed someone else. Not just Christ, which, praise God, he's always there. But you needed another human being, flesh and blood person. Maybe it was the person that part of the conflict was with. Maybe it was in that restoration and, and resolution that there was hope and peace, comfort. Maybe it was a friend or a family member. I want you to think about that. And I want you to realize that no matter how hard it gets in relationships, it's always worth it. Because what you're feeling right now, that, man, that was so awesome to have them there. That very sensation, then that's what we need to hold on to. Not the stress and the frustration of the junk, which is true and real and happens and got to be dealt with, but the peace of knowing, oh, but man, when there was somebody there for me, and that's what made it different. Some of you are going through something right now. I'm not saying I know this for sure. I'm just saying odds are somebody in this room is going through something right now, and you've tried the isolation technique. You've tried. Nobody talked to me about it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to face it. I'm just going to cut off everything, and I'm not going to deal with it anymore. And that's not working. It's not working. So here's what I want you to do. God, would you show me someone in my area of influence, somebody that I could have a relationship with, a friend or someone that I could go to and lean on and look for strength and support because I'm tired of walling it off. I'm tired of isolating myself. I just need to reach out to someone. Because here's the truth. When you do this with everyone else, nobody's going to reach in anymore. I've had people tell me that. Well, man, nobody reached out to me. Nobody encouraged me. Nobody shows me support. But if you're doing this, man, they don't want to. Because every time they try, they just get shut down. Man, open the doors. Open your heart and say, God, would you just show me someone? And then allow that to begin a healing process in your life. Again, this is really kind of just a quick overview of what we're talking about. I know that we're going to get more into it next week. But I just want to say as we kind of springboard into this series, I want you to take time this morning and to begin really honestly evaluating where are you in your relationship with him? Where are you in your relationship with others? What lies have you believed? What things have you allowed to control you as far as past hurts? What things are you allowing to limit relationships now because of fear of getting burned? How does God want to bring healing so that you can have those healthy relationships again? However God is speaking, we're going to take some time in just a moment. We're going to pray. We're going to have an invitation. And as we do this, I want you to just respond to him. And you just say, God, whatever you want for me, I want to respond to you in the area of relationships. First, do you know him as your Savior? Are you growing in the friendship with him? Spending time with him? Getting to know him and allowing him to get to know you? And are you allowing others into your life? Yes, taking the risk of potential hurt doesn't make it okay. But taking that risk because the benefit outweighs the risk. In whatever way God is speaking, would you respond to him? Would you bow your heads as we have a word of prayer and a short time of invitation? With your heads bowed, invitation is very simple here. It just gives you a chance to pray, to reflect, and to respond to the message that you've heard this morning. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit has been working. So as you bow your head there in prayer and begin to pray now, Asking God through the Holy Spirit, what would you have for me? In what relationships do I need to go and seek healing, seek forgiveness, seek restoration? What ways do I need to let the guard down and let people into my life? Am I allowing past hurts to make me believe the lie that it's not worth it anymore? With your heads bowed, here's what I want to do. With nobody looking around, I just want to pray for you. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. I promise you. But I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone here with heads bowed, nobody looking around, even those in the band are still focused on what they're doing, so don't worry about them. But is there anyone here that would say with a raised hand, you know, Pastor John, I believed the lie. I believed it was easier to isolate and sever relationships than take the risk of growing in relationships and having those connections with other people. I believe that lie but I want to I see that different in my life. I want to pray that God would show me how to let my guard down, to let the walls down, to have real, meaningful, deep connections with other people 
to allow them to speak into my life and me into theirs. Is there anyone with nobody looking around that would raise their hand and say, that's me, Pastor John. Would you pray for me? I believe the lie. I put up the walls, but I believe God wants me to take them down. Is there anyone that would raise their hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? One hand over here. Another one over there. Amen. Just put it up and put it down. Anyone else? I put up the walls. Over there. Absolutely. Amen. I want meaningful, deep connections. Is there anyone that would raise their hand and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me? I'm dealing with a hurt in my life, in a relationship. And I'm trying to do the right thing. I want to forgive. I want to see restoration. I want to see it back to what it used to be, in a sense. But I just, I don't know if it will ever get there. Would you just pray for me as I go through this journey, as I want to see God glorified? I want to forgive, but I need his grace and his strength to do it. Is there anyone that would raise their hand and say that this morning? Amen. One there. I want to forgive. I just need his strength. Amen over there. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we pray that as you are God alone, that you would show us what you'd have us to do in this area of relationships, that you would be glorified, that you would promote your will in our lives. Father, we know that we were designed for relationship with you, so I pray that if anybody here doesn't know you as Savior, they would come to know you this morning by right now in their seats or here at the altar in a moment. Maybe as they stand to pray in a moment, whatever the situation is, that they would in their hearts realize their sin, confess their sin to you. Believe that you died on a cross, were buried and rose again for them and their forgiveness. That they would put their faith and their trust in your gospel that they would surrender their all to you and allow you to be Lord of their life. Father, if there's anyone here that needs to do that this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict them, lead them, guide them. But Father, for these that have raised their hands and even for those that haven't, we need to put the walls down. We need to take the risk because it's always worth it. And so, Father, as we take these risks this week in relationships, I pray that we would be wise Father, that we would forgive those that have hurt us because when we have unforgiveness, we're only hurting ourselves. Father, that you would use our lives to magnify you and your love for this world. Father, as a follower of Christ, I cannot put up walls when you say I'm supposed to go to the whole world and preach the gospel. May we make deep and lasting connections starting today. Thank you for your connection with us through Jesus Christ making all relationships possible. We thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? As we respond to him, would you call out to him? Whether you pray there in your seats, maybe you want to come forward and bend a knee and pray. Maybe you raised your hand, and you want to come and pray and say, God, would you just show me wisdom in this area and allow God to speak? Whatever God is doing, would you respond to him this morning as we pray and seek him?